Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Heidi St. John, or is it Heidi Street, John? Because I know street is on addresses are spelled the same way. Wow. Probably Saint. That was, that was really dumb. Saint. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. That's what I was going to go with. Heidi St. John. Hi. We got uh, Curtis from Texas Howdy. joining us from his palatial mansion. And I'm in California. Where are you joining us from, Heidi? Battleground, Washington. Washington State? Washington State, oh, indeed. Wow. Wow. Yes. Where we just had the first oh. April snow here than we have had in 82 years. Wow. Six inches of snow yesterday. I've never seen it snow here in April. And what's that the darn global warming? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say it's probably it's it's warm enough now. I mean, it, it's probably like 36. <laughs> 36. Wow. Well, thanks for don't, having us. Don't or, talk well, to me from your California mansion about your weather. I don't even want to hear about it. Okay. Hey, I'm freezing up here. I, this is where I live. <laughs> I'm homeless. Did, did I not tell you that when we booked you? I, I was homeless and I was, we're going to be recording from this uh, pile of garbage over here. That's why he's outside. Well, I'm yeah. used to that because we're having the same problems here. I was just going to say, you, you look like you're homeless to me. I was going to say that, but you beat me to it. <laughs> well, they let me do whatever I want here because, you know, that's it's California. The new, that's the new world order. Yeah. That's, yeah. So I knocked off a Walgreens earlier. I got my breakfast uh, knocking off a Walgreens earlier. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you uh, come to Seattle, you can get a lot of things for free right now. So just go. I mean, I did get in trouble, but it was for not wearing a mask. Right. (laughs) It's pretty sad when I make my Washington, you'll, you'll fit right in. Well, Heidi, thanks for being on. I I said, I think I said, uh, thanks for having us earlier, but thanks for coming on this morning. Thanks for having me. You uh, are the host of a podcast that has like a million, almost a million downloads a month. It's yeah, called Off the Bench. Take. Yep. Off the Bench. Off, Off the, the bench. bench. That's amazing. That's a lot of downloads. And tell us about your podcast. So the podcast started about uh, eight, eight years ago or so. I speak for a living. I've, I'm the author of eight books. Uh, and my husband and I have, uh, seven children and, uh, uh, several grandchildren. And I, wow. uh, I love the, the, I love communication. I love the written word. Uh, I love speaking to people. And this was just an avenue for me to do it. I like to talk about real things. I'm not, uh, I don't, I'm not real good at talking about the, the weather for very long. I can do it for a couple of minutes as you guys have just discovered, but, uh, <laughs> but really, uh, I want to talk about the tough issues of the day and motivate people to get involved in uh, civics in particular and, uh, and in education. And I've got a lot of concerns. And so I'm kind of a, uh, and have been, I have a reputation on the homeschool circuit for just telling it like it is, you know, kind of would mm-hmm. be what you see is what you get. Uh, and I, I, I'm bringing that to the podcast every single week. So we've had in, in the pandemic, I had a lot of physicians on, um, respiratory therapists on, I had a bunch of America's frontline doctors on my show talking about the pandemic because at the very beginning of that thing, I smelled a rat. And yeah. so, uh, in April of 2020, I, you know, went Facebook live, I got about 500,000 people to follow me online. And I did a Facebook live, wow. uh, walking down the street here in battleground, Washington, just watching people put on masks and they don't even know why. And I said, you guys, it's actually not wrong to ask questions. I think the questions are important. Co- we need to be what asking a questions. Yeah. And right. so, and, and I mean, it's we not all know wrong to ask questions. 
Wow. Think for yourself, come to your own conclusions. I don't understand. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, critical thinking. You know, we've reached critical mass for critical thinking. And um, Heidi, Heidi, you're not you're not following the science, Heidi, if you ask (laughs) questions. (laughs) Right. Exactly right. Yeah. Follow the science. So uh, so that's kind of a little bit of the story of the podcast. I like having interesting people on uh, to, to talk about what's really happening in the culture. And I think the conversation needs to be had. So when I'm not getting banned off of YouTube and having my videos taken down, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was about to ask you, how, how many have you had taken down? Oh, several. Um, but here's an interesting, uh, I actually just joined, I'm, I'm moving more to a room. I just started moving my podcast to video. And you know, I only have like a few of them up and they already started taking them down. And I did an interview with a local radio personality here in... I want to say it was November. No, it was December. Yeah, it was toward the end of December. Uh, both my parents were vaccinated against uh, COVID-19, you know, took part in the experimental vaccine. And uh, shortly after that, they both contracted COVID. We uh, busted my mom out of the hospital because I believe the protocols wow. are killing people. You busted and your mom out of the hospital? Yeah, we How basically went and said, well, we basically went and said, <laughs> get, get, awesome. you know, we're taking my mom home, you know, and we can do, do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way, you know, so. Yeah, and uh, the hospitals were giving I, resistance to that, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. They're, killing, they're still killing people with their protocols. And I mean, this obviously, we're not here to talk about all about COVID, but I hope these people go to prison when this is over. My dad died from COVID in, uh, in December after he was vaccinated. And to be fair, like 99.9% of people that die from it. My dad had severe underlying uh, uh, conditions. So many comorbidities he was in, uh, he has a, a, he had a neurological disease. And so something was going to take him out, right? It was going to be like the flu, you, you know, pneumonia could have done it, but my family was basically December watched of, my dad die on FaceTime because they don't let you in. I mean, it's crazy. That was December so, of 2020 or 2021. No, that, was 20. that was just this last December. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. How yeah. how are you? How are you dealing with that? Is that you know? Well, we're we're dealing with like the thousands and thousands of other Americans who lost family members in a similar way. You know, it's a it's a mixture of, of grief and anger, and I think eventually the anger is going to win out because this can never happen mm-hmm. again. And I was actually speaking when my dad passed away. I was speaking at an event in Los Angeles for my friend uh, Rob McCoy down at uh, Godspeed Calvary Chapel. That's my grandpa's and, uh, church. Oh my goodness. I love that. Church. That and yeah, we got to have Rob Pastor, on uh, Jack Curtis. We got to have Pastor Rob on down there a couple times. Fantastic. Yeah, that would, be great. that would be great. He's fantastic. So I was down there actually um, doing a women's uh, Christmas event for them when I got the news about my dad. And so I wasn't, so I began to advocate for him because they wouldn't let anyone in the hospital. And I just didn't want my dad to die alone. Hmm. And we had to fight. We fought so hard just to get my sisters in the room with him. And then they FaceTimed me, you know, so I could see him. And here they put my sisters in like spacesuits. I'm not joking. Like, like, you know, huge ramp. They look like astronauts, right? Yeah. So here's my sisters crying and like you know, snots Ebola. all over the inside of this, this shield thing, this big. Yeah, it was, it was completely insane. And, uh, and I, you know, I watched them basically take my dad off life support on FaceTime. And I, I just think these are, to, to my way of thinking, these are crimes against humanity. Uh, people have died alone. The suicide rate in Washington state skyrocketing. Uh, we got big issues in this country and they're yeah. related to leadership. 
this is 100% related to leadership. We have horrible leadership in this country, horrible leadership in the medical community, horrible leadership in education, horrible leadership in entertainment, horrible leadership in government. And uh, it's going to take people of courage to stand up. And in fact, Rob McCoy said something that um, I quote him all the time. He was just up here helping me campaign a couple of weeks ago. He and my friend uh, Rick Green here in Washington State. Oh, and, we just uh, had Rick Green on last week. Oh my goodness. Two of my favorite people, Rick Green, Rob McCoy. Anyway, they, they've great. come up here twice now and done something called the Freedom Tour with me. And Rob said, in the absence of courage, truth is an orphan. Mm. And that is what we're dealing with right now. A pandemic of a lack of courage, uh, people willing to tell the truth to step into the political fray. And uh, that was part of my reason for, you know, I've been telling the truth on my podcast for eight years and now I'm trying to speak truth into the arena of politics. And, uh, uh, it's a, it's a blood sport. That's for sure. It is that that's a great quote. You know, one, one of the things the the theme that keeps coming up over and over and over again is courage, courage, Mm -hmm. courage, like people, come on, we have to be together and be courageous together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's also uh, about critical thinking as well. And I think it's a lot easier to be courageous if you can think for yourself. And I think a lot of these folks just never learned how to think for themselves. So they, well, they've been schooled. They, yeah, they go along them. with, they try to fit yeah. in. That's yeah. what their, their main goal is not to seek truth or figure out what to believe, but it's to fit in. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's a function of the schools as well. Um, mm-hmm. You're a homeschooler. That's you said the primary function of the schools, I, I would say. You think so? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and yes. And I am, I'm a homeschool mom. Uh, our oldest daughter's in her thirties. We pulled her out of the public school when she was uh in second grade after my husband and I noticed some alarming things that were happening. Most of they were conversations that she was having at the school that I just thought, why is my second grader coming home and asking me these questions? You know, she's eight. And, uh, and it's, I mean, I could never have imagined what the kids are dealing with right now. Oh, I mean, with the, what she was dealing with. Me? Yeah. No, I just no felt way. like, Hey, don't, yeah. I just felt like, Hey, don't steal my, my daughter's innocence. You know, oh, I can, right. I can handle these issues myself. Never in my wildest dreams. If you would have said to me, Hey, Heidi, in, in, in 2021, people are going to, there's going to be a man winning the women's uh, swim titles. I would have laughed at you. Yeah. But then again, if you'd have told me in 2019, that a virus of the 99.9% survival rate is going to shut the whole cotton picking country down. I'd have laughed at you too, but look what's going on. We, we, we are living in a nation now that has gone through the public school system for generations. We are not critical thinkers. We are sheep by nature. Oh. Sure. Uh, this is what you see when people put a mask on, you know, you, you know, right. So I'm, I'm here in my campaign <laughs> headquarters today and you can see people, you know, walking around outside still, even though the mask, the mask mandates have uh, magically lifted, uh, yeah. people are outside. We've, we've scared people. We, we've scared the, them. So you're saying it's not science that's lifting the mandate, Heidi. <laughs> is that is that what you're saying it might so be you, it might be uh the midterms i think the midterms are lifting the maybe mandates. yeah it's <laughs> the political go. science that's lifting the mandates possible the science just which political one? science well you know we should have a new was, thing we should start saying follow the midterms but what, <laughs> why, <laughs> but why just now though why 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 not last year i don't understand why so many people why was why wasn't there enough groundswell last year I think was it because it wasn't a, it wasn't an election year. It wasn't an election year, but also the Democrats never like to let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, This is another thing that we should, we should be learning. You know, listen, I'm, I'm the woman who would not, I refuse to wear my mask. I, I, you know, unless I have to get on an airplane, go to work, I'm not putting that stupid thing on my face. makes me so mad. I have a visceral, a visceral 
reaction to wearing it because it's yeah, so dumb with you. It's just yeah. so dumb. I, it really makes and, uh, me upset when they make kids wear it. Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't and, know and what that what we're does doing to, to our kids. Yeah, because well, you're teaching these kids them. to be ashamed of something that they shouldn't feel any shame about at all. And you're teaching them to think, oh, yeah, I'm a vector of disease for other people and I should cover as much of myself as possible. What? Yep. Yep. And you, we've taught them now uh, to be afraid of the air that they breathe. And, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a believer. Instead and of just I, pursuing I know... health, just pursue good living, pursue exercise. Oh, come on, eat, come on, come on, eat come well, on. Come on. get plenty so, of sleep. That read. is so 2015. Oh, stop right. it. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I don't know about uh, reading. Reading was not 2015 because I was in the well, classrooms. I saw myself. Like Krispy Kreme, right? Like if you if you get that experimental vaccine, Krispy Kreme going to give you free donut every week for the rest of your oh, life. You I know? knew I knew something was up when that happened. I was like, <laughs> no, something's going on here. Because we care. They care about your health because yeah, that's right. what's important here. I mean, this Krispy is about your Kreme health. Cares about yeah. your health. That's can right. Imagine, yeah. I mean, can you imagine like in 2003 or whatever, if uh, Krispy Kreme was like, you know, if you support the invasion of Iraq, we'll give you a free right. <laughs> dozen donuts. Right. right I think right, everybody right. would have seen right through that. Like, you know, well, there's WMDs yes, in there, right? There's WMDs in Iraq, <laughs> right? Here's your, okay. Say, say the words, say the words. Okay. Here's your dozen donuts. There you go. Yeah. Right. Good, right. good it, boy. It, good it's boy. crazy. And now you got a uh, father Fauci, right? The high priest of the right. branch Covidians. And he is saying that we're, he said uh, what yet yeah, just yesterday branch on the Covidians. news, uh, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID. Oh, Oh, really? You're joking me. We're going to have to learn to live with COVID. You, you gotta be kidding me. Are you telling me it's a virus? Uh, what are you, what are you really saying? He said, well, Americans should be responsible for their own healthcare decisions. That guy is a lion. I mean, if, if his lips are moving, he's lying. And I'm uh-huh. watching him now go, oh, we, I care about you, fellow American. I want you to make your own health decisions. No, you don't. You just mandated a vaccine yes, for thousands and thousands of people who did not want it and who have died from it. So don't you dare talk to me about freedom for Americans and how we should be able to free, you know, free to choose what we want to put in our own body. Where's the, my body, my choice people, where'd they go? Oh, they're running for the Hills. Cause whenever they say my body, my choice, what they really mean is your baby's body. That right. little baby's body is my choice. I'm going to do what I want with that little baby. I mean, it's the whole thing is it's, it's backward and on its head in a hundred different ways. And it goes back to leadership. We've got to make a change in this country. We've got to have new leadership, but like, let me, push back, let me push back on you there, uh, Heidi. Push back. I mean, what just, uh, you know, the leadership issue. Um, you're going to have the same people, though, the same people that can't think critically. And so if, when you're in leadership, which I hope you do get in there, you're going to have to deal with these same idiots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. what are you going to do? I we mean, can, how do we you can have turnover, but it's the same crap going in and, in, in, you know, I know. I don't well, mean, I don't mean the leaders. I mean, the people, the voting. people, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the yeah, people no. wearing that just figured out they don't need a mask on. They just now figured that out. Right. Right. And it's well, because they're watching everybody else. Do I have to, I mean, I still have, I still see people walking down the street with their mask half on it's right. half on. Well, they don't and I'm like, what at. are you doing? They, Even I Texas. think it's just, yeah. Yeah. I was just in Texas. I just spoke in Austin uh, a couple of weekends ago at an event there. And I saw the same thing. It's a, it's an amazing thing to observe, yeah. but I think people don't want to be yelled at. We all saw the videos you know, right. on social media. That's they right. don't want to be shamed. They don't want to be singled out. 
We right. just want to be back. And we don't, We're we just don't gonna do go that wherever they say to go. We don't do that and, to them. We don't go up and, and say, shame them for having a mask on. That's not what we right. do. That's in, if we did, then they probably wouldn't be wearing a mask because you're right. That's very insightful. They don't want shame. Well, Can we ask we you a few about, questions about yourself? Well, yeah, but I Oh, yes, yeah, but I, I want to answer your ask question you, about you... people for a yeah, second. Yeah, go for you, it. Go for it. So, so my answer to that is just very simply: the, the one thing we can't do is disengage, right. we, because we're going to have to re-educate an entire, you know, generations now of people about truth. We've got to start having critical conversations. We've got to engage in these conversations from the floor of the House of Representatives to our school boards to our city council meetings. Men and women who are thinking clearly and are thinking for themselves have got to start educating the public again. And really, it's a re-education process because we've been taught now for generations. My friend Sam Sorbo and I were just talking about this the other day. Uh, we're not educated in this country. We're schooled. And you're, we're seeing now the ramifications of what that looks like in real time. So when people put a mask on and they don't know why or they're not willing to question what they're what they're uh, you know, the elected officials are telling them to do, uh, then we have tyranny in the country and that's exactly what we're facing. And yeah. so I think that the worst thing that we can do is to disengage because people say, well, what are you going to do? You know, all these voters, these knuckleheads coming out of our woke universities and our public education system, and we're surrounded by them. Yes. But the answer is not to walk off the field. That's not the answer. I think the answer to is to engage. Is the problem massive? Yes. Is it going to take a long time to, to fix? Yes. Am I going to be able to do it? In one generation, probably not, but it's a good no. place to start. It's a good place to start. Well, I, I'm glad you're you're doing what you're doing and getting people to think. But um, did you go to public schools? No. You were homeschool? Nope. I went private? to a private Christian school. Private. I went to a private Christian school. Um, yeah, my grandparents actually put me through a private school uh, because they saw a long, long, they put my mom through a private school because they saw the dangers of the public school system way, way, way back in the fifties. And they were like, this is not going to end well. And so uh, my husband went to a public school and I went to a private school and we chose to homeschool our own kids. What, what state was that in Washington? Well, I grew up in Oregon, Oregon Oregon and Washington Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Oh, whereabouts in Oregon? Just out of curiosity. Uh, Portland. I went to Portland Christian. Okay. So oh, cool. Graduated okay. from there and uh, yep. And then I uh, met my husband at uh, Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland. And then oh. we, Wait, from are there, you, you're, we, you said you're a Christian? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I have my, I have the wrong notes. I have you're a Muslim <laughs> in here. Sorry. Okay. So not my, a Muslim. My wife's parents went to Multnomah. Yeah. No uh, kidding. Yep. Yeah. Heidi yeah. is not a Muslim. Okay. Hold Heidi on, is not a Muslim. All right. <laughs> Nothing against the Muslims, you know, no. if you don't wear a mask. Right. Um, you said that there's a re-education process that, that we need to go through. How in the world do we do that? How do you well, read? I mean, I, I would put it this way. They were never educated. <laughs> so they actually just need to read. They just need to be educated. They need education. I don't right, know. I agree. Well, you got to put parents back how do you in the do driver's that? seat. There's so many things wrong right now, right? Okay, so parents we, back we, in the driver's seat. Okay. I, I think, you know, Jay and I started... Uh, something called, so it's worth noting that for the last 20 years, my husband and I have been planting homeschool cooperatives across the country. So we've planted over 60 of them all over the United States, a couple of them in Canada, a couple of them at the Ramstein Air Base in Germany. 
And about five years ago, uh, we, we opened uh, what is, I think, the nation's, the nation's largest homeschool resource center. It's open five days a week. We have over 200 classes there. 1,600 students come in and out of that building every single week. And what we're doing there is we're putting parents back in charge of their kids' education. In some cases, we're, we're doing, sometimes we're doing parenting classes. Uh, this generation is struggling with all kinds of things. They're struggling with their yes. marriages. They're struggling with their uh, parenting. And if you don't have basic parenting down, you know, because what we've, what we've said now for generations in our country is, oh, um, you, you give birth to the kids and then other people will do the work. So a mom, you go back to work and send your kid to a daycare and we'll potty train your kid and we'll make sure that they get, you know, three square meals. And then when they're five years old, you can send them to public schools and we will take care. We'll just take it from there. And then when you go to church on Sundays, Hey, no, no big deal. Just drop them off down to Sunday school. And we'll, we'll do the, you know, we'll uh, tell your kids right from wrong and we'll teach them the Bible. Well, that's, it's so upside down and backward. And we've relegated our responsibility as parents. So I think part of what we do is we go back to, and we start telling the truth about the importance of family, which is absolutely under assault in this country and around the world. And you can't do that unless you got people that have access to what I would consider uh, a platform. And so it's getting, you know, that's why I'm so concerned about leadership because part of leadership is platform, right? What, and it's what's being the, able to speak into the, the primary culture. that's what's you said, get parents back in the driver's seat, but what, well, how do you do that? If they're both working and maybe they don't feel like they know how to teach their kids math, how, how do you, how do you fix that? Yeah, I think, well, I think you can utilize the churches, the ones that aren't woke. Uh, there's a good place to start and just start, you know, it's casting a vision for people. I think, so here's okay. what I've been saying for a couple of years. So when Jay and I pulled our daughter out of the public school system, you know, we're free thinkers, right? I was looking at what was going on in the school, even back then. And I was like, this is not good. Like, this is not going to end well. Can you give and an I, example of that? So people have um, an idea of what you're, you were concerned about. Oh, the, just the conversation she was coming home uh, on the, you know, at, at eight what, years old. What was know? the nature but, of the conversation? Yeah, that, that's like that. That's important for parents to know, because those are the clues that they're missing. Right. Yeah. But, but I oh, want to yeah. get, I want to get an, a, a, a yeah, yeah, detail, yeah. get a detail of what this conversation was. What was it? So they, she, it was she was mostly, joining a gang or what was it? No, no, it, but it was mostly trying to vax um, her? sexual. It was mostly oh, sexual, this, you know, at, at two, so she at was second having, grade, second grade. Yeah. yeah. Mostly there were conversations that were happening on the school were bus or happening pe- in the peers? playground. Oh, yeah. Okay. So oh yeah. Just other peers. kids, okay, other kids at the school. And then there was a bomb threat, right? Not from teachers. Not at that point. Not I mean, we're, we're way okay. beyond there now, but right, right, this right. was happening in the schools. And I was basically just told, well, that's just how it is. Well, I, I have, have, am of the opinion that my kids only get one childhood and I wanted Savannah to enjoy hers. And so at, yeah. after there was a bomb threat at the school, then I realized uh, something else happened that was really significant. We had uh, a five-year-old at the time. She's 28 now, but uh, she was five at the time. And she, I wanted her to go to school. And so I went down and registered her. Well, she missed the cutoff by like two weeks. And I've got this bright, inquisitive little five-year-old who I thought was ready for kindergarten and she was bored. So I went down to a homeschool supply store. This is my big mistake. I went to a homeschool supply store and I met a guy there named Eli. And I just said, Hey, I'm not interested in homeschooling because I just could not fathom why a woman in her right mind want to stay home, you know, all day long with their kids when a yellow school bus come take them away for free and I get a shower by myself. Right. So uh, I just had no paradigm for homeschooling. I wasn't interested right. in it at all, but so I had how were you able to do board. it though? I mean, like, so people are listening to this and they say, they hear you have seven kids and they just think you are obviously rich. That's what it is. 
Oh, no. But so you got to tell us the details. How do you do this? Like, well, so let me me finish the story because this is where where I think it gives hope to people. So this guy gives me a book called Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons. Well, I've been told I could never teach my child to read. I don't have a degree in education. Who am I to think that I could teach my child the ABCs or how to count to 10 or do basic math, for goodness sake. And so I, I get this book and said, well, 20 minutes a day, I can do anything for 20 minutes. And I realized after about a week and a half, not only am I teaching my daughter to read, but I'm enjoying it and she's enjoying it. And I'm accomplishing in an hour to an hour and a half every day with her more than what the public school is accomplishing with my other daughter. And she's gone seven hours a day. And so at the end of that school year, I pulled Savannah out of the public school and we brought them home and homeschooled them. And we did it on single income. We did it on hand-me-down clothes. We did it with one car. We, we took a hit. Those are the the important details. Are these details anywhere documented in your books or anything that people can chase down? Oh yeah. So I've written, uh, I've written about it all over the place. So I have a book called uh, the busy homeschool mom's guide today. If they just look up my name, my books are everywhere. Cool. Um, So they can chase these, the stuff down. It's practical. Oh yeah. I speak on this all over. I mean, I probably awesome. have 60, 60 talks that they could get on my website where they can find out about organization, cool. what it takes, how, what it takes to budget, all the things in 2017, I released Ooh. a book called becoming mom strong, how to fight with all that's in you for your family and your mm-hmm. faith, because listen, nothing that's worth doing in this life is easy. Okay. Who told us that if we had kids, it was going to be easy. And so we want the easy way. So we relegate that. We think somehow money's going to fix it. Well, we'll just get two jobs and we'll get two cars and we'll have, you know, this big giant mortgage that we really can't afford. And we'll send our kids to, to Rome. And for 12 years, they're educated by the Romans. And then when they get out of high school, we go, oh my gosh, I got a Roman. How'd that happen? Well, you sent your, you sent, <laughs> you sent your kid to Rome. Yeah. You sent your kid to Rome. And so when they came out with a worldview that was different than yours, what did you think was going to be the net result? Yeah. And so it, it is a sacrifice. And I, I want people to know that, but it was the best thing we ever did for our kids. All seven of our kids now. Uh, five of them have graduated. We're getting ready to graduate a sixth and they're, they're holding down jobs. They're going to college. If they want to, they're entrepreneurs, they're free thinkers, they're patriots. They love the country. And that doesn't happen by accident. And mm-hmm. it's not that I'm the best mom in the world. There's lots of days. when I was like, what the heck am I doing this for? You know? Uh, and you know, I'm in a yeah. fetal position behind the front door, like rocking back and forth, like, you know, but, but if you stay in there, the best things in life are hard things. And I, and I think it's time to re-educate the public about what really matters. Marriage is hard for goodness sake. You know, my, my husband and I are coming up on 33 years of marriage. That is marriage is hard. Anybody that's married more than five minutes knows that, but we make a commitment. That's right. And then we decide that this is important. And so we fight for it and you fight for it and you fight for your kids. And, uh, and the fight is gone out of us as Americans, you know, we put a mask on. Okay. The fight's gone. Fight's gone. Get it, get an experiment on a vaccine. Oh, okay. Send your kid to the public school because you're, you're an idiot. You can't do it. Oh, okay. Our fight is gone. And part of the reason why I'm running for Congress is to inspire people to bring the fight back. Your families are worth fighting for. The country's worth fighting for. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in Congress? That's a federal office. It's all the way in Washington. It's two years. You have to run. You have to run for reelection as soon as you get there and you have to start raising money. So how do you, do you know how big the government is, the federal government? It's so it's, big. You could be there well, for 20 years and you might not still understand how big it is. That's how big. Why it is. is it big? This is the question. Why is it big? Because when the founding fathers, when they gave us this amazing country and they wrote uh, the Constitution, which is the most amazing governing document yeah, yeah, ever written by human beings, they gave right. the federal government a very limited role. Sure. They said, you're responsible for the national defense. You're, you're supposed to secure the borders. You're supposed to secure commerce in between the states, the roads and the bridges Article and all that. One. And we, yes. And we have 
uh, stupidly over the years, every Congress, Congress loves itself, right? So they give <laughs> themselves more power and more power and more power. So one of the things I would love to do is begin to roll back the, the power that the federal government has wrongly assumed. It's the same well, thing that's happening with the courts. you're just one person, though, and you have to convince right. the majority. How are you going to do that? Well, you got to work with people. you got to build coalitions. You know, Jay and I have started three successful businesses. We have 37 staffers at the Homeschool Resource Center. You have to learn how to work with people and what motivates people. And I, I happen to love people as a general rule. There's some people I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think You're that, a likable um, person, I think, if... I mean, you talk really fast, and people generally don't like that. I, I, I just, I'm just saying if, cause, because they need to be able to take in what you're saying. Right. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. I'm an educator. I, I've been in the classrooms for a long time. I've taught 185 college courses. I can tell you education. When you say re-education, um, I get a little concerned about that language because the education wasn't there in from the first place. Cause, and I right. I'm, I'm there, I'm trying and it's, yeah. I, I left it all on the field, Heidi. I'm telling you, I walked off that field, nothing left. And I still wasn't able to do it by myself. Well, you can't just, no, you can't do it by yourself. So when you're an educator though, or when you're a parent, I guess it feels like that though. It feels like I'm doing this all on my own. I don't, I don't have any help. And I think you're going to feel that way when you get to Washington, you're going to, you're going to walk in that Congress and you're going to feel alone. Well, I you're going like to be alone. So, <laughs> I mean, your people skills yeah. are going to kick in right away. And I, you know, what do you think about what's your first step going to be? How are you going to start building that coalition? Well, you know, somebody asked me the day, um, you know, what do you do on your, your, your first day? What are you going to change on your first day? And I was like, yeah. nothing, nothing. <laughs> I'm going to change nothing. I'm going to try to figure out where the women's restroom is and meet the <laughs> staff and, you know, and, and, yeah. and, you know, the women, cause I actually do believe I think still the Congress would tell you that there is a men's and a women's restroom. It's up for debate. Oh, but, uh, well, but, that's going to be censored right there. Right. But I want to. Are you a hateful person, get... Heidi? Are you hateful? Apparently. Yeah, it sounds like can it. You, can you believe I... what we're talking about? I mean, no, can you, it, no. imagine you grew right. up in the 80s, right? Or what? Yes. Yeah. yeah. In the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. 70s, 80s. Can you imagine like going men and women restrooms that it would have been at this crazy? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry, you but were you saying you're going to find the, left, the restroom. But the left imagined it, right? We just didn't think they were serious. Or they could yeah, pull that's it off. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, did, just... I did know that it was going to be this bad, but I'm that's because I teach logic and critical thinking. And, mm-hmm. and I could I could see it on the wall. And if you it's doubt coming. me, just go to my Facebook page and you'll see I was taking pictures of men and women restrooms years ago saying, you just wait, baby, you just wait. This is going to be a big issue. And now it is. My, my students crazy. thought I was crazy and uh, it is crazy. now they're writing me back and they're like majors in the air force. And they're like, you were totally right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, yeah. It's, it's what shameful. Were your, what were your successful businesses? You said you said you have three. Well, uh, so I have, I launched a uh, speaking career that's been very successful. I speak that's when I'm cool. not running for Congress. I speak all over the country, you know, three or four times a month in different places. Uh, oh, I love awesome. I love doing that. Um, I've got a, a podcast, which we already talked about. I've written eight books. We yeah. run uh, the nation's largest homeschool resource center. It's really? called Firmly Planted. People can find it. Firmly Planted yeah. Homeschool yeah. Resource Center. We're, right now, uh, we're in the process of figuring out how to franchise it. 
and uh, That's cool. and bring it bring it all over the country because I think if people had access to what we have access to here, uh, parents need options. And what I was kind of getting at earlier is that you know when I when I took our my daughter out of the public school system, I was would still consider myself in kind of the pioneers of homeschooling. You know, I was. I I saw something at that point that I wanted to run to, you know, I saw life in these kids. I saw families that were thriving. I saw parents Mm -hmm. that were, um, that were really taking uh, their rightful place in the lives of their kids and and investing in their kids and really wanted that. So I was willing to, you know, take a a little red wagon down to the library and figure it out. You know, I was going to figure it out. This generation of parents is not running uh, to something. They're running from something. They're running from a system that is both uh, academically and morally and spiritually bankrupt. They're running from uh, a, a system that will tell them that they have no authority in the lives of their own children. Yeah. And so if they're, so we have to look at them in a different way. And I'm kind of a solutions girl. It's one of the reasons why Congress is interesting to me. I think we need, we need to send people there who want solutions, who want to bring solutions, not just gripe about our problems you know, and grow the government as if the government has the answers because the government has very little of the answers, if any. Mm-hmm. And so to look at this generation of parents and we see them not as pioneers, but as refugees, then it shifts the paradigm. So now we, we, we recognize that they're going to run from something. We need to give them something to run to. And so it's incumbent then I think upon uh, individuals that care about the education system in this country to start uh, rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work of figuring out how can we give them something to run to that's both life-giving and successful. And so we, we have found an answer to that in, in the homeschool resource center. And uh, we're watching thousands of kids now coming through who are uh, thriving. You know, we didn't shut down during the Rona. We didn't require our kids to wear masks. I was like, I'm, I will not, normalize for these children what is abnormal how did you Uh, describe that to the kids so that they understood what you were doing with the masks i mean they can see what's happening so how did you explain that how did you explain that to them we just told them that we don't we don't believe that the science is uh, backs up the use of masks and so it was optional so if you want to wear a mask we had a box of masks at the front and if they wanted some of them did and if you want to wear a mask, fine. But we gave them fr- the freedom to choose. Do your own homework. The parents should be doing their own homework and, and deciding what is best mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. And so uh, did any that kids was, take the masks? Uh, maybe one or two. Okay. Very few. But it, it you know, it's all uh, it's about their parents because the, the yeah. it's families that come to the homeschool resource center. It's not just right. students. You don't just That's drop right. a kid off there. Yeah, it'd be so, their kids telling them, or sorry, it'd be the parents telling. It'd them. It'd be the parents, and which that, is how it should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, and Makes so if sense. the parents are, if, if the parents are afraid and you want to wear a mask, fine. And I'm not going to mock you for it. Right. But let, but allow people to make that choice. And so that's what we did. And I, for the longest time, I used to tell people for the last two years, the homeschool resource center was the happiest place in the state of Washington. How many kids walked, were coming? How many kids oh, were coming? Hundreds. We have 1600 kids right now. 1600. It's the same building. Yeah. Wow. 1600 kids in one building. Is that right? Yes, but they come, they, they come in and out throughout the day yeah. and throughout the week. So they're not like, they don't just come at eight o'clock in the morning and they're there till five o'clock at night. So they're how, coming. How big is the building? Uh, 20,000 square feet. Okay. And uh, we've outgrown it. So we just, we just put an offer in on another building. We're going to try to move uh, if we can. Can but I it's ask working you? And, and that's yeah, my point. Heidi, do you come from a large family? Lots of kids? I do. Mm-hmm. Are you the oldest? Yes. Well, sort of. My brother's 11 months older than I am, but we're kind of Irish twins. So, okay. 
And were you like this as a kid? Were you precocious and, and very opinionated and, or did, or when you were 25, (laughs) a light went on and you were like determinator. And then all of a sudden you were talking fast and you thinking for yourself. No, I'm, I'm one of those people. How did you become this way? How did you become this way? What did your parents put in the cereal? Did did you come out of the womb this way? You know what? I am. I have always been interested in, in solutions. I ran for student government when I was in high school. I was the, you know, uh, the president of my senior class. I, you know, I, I'm interested in Ah. helping people and come. So I've always, I guess I've always been this way. Um, you know, my family say that again. It's your nature. Yeah. It's just, it's just who I am. Uh, And and your siblings are not like this, right? Probably. A bunch of my sisters, a bunch of my sisters are They're They're not, not like me. Like they're not doing exactly what I'm doing, but whatever they put their hand to, they're very successful. They're business owners. They're movers and shakers. They're homeschool moms themselves. There are six sisters in my family. Six? So, wow. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. That's more I than know, they, I've got four. They all, <laughs> they all start with H and I'm the oldest. So Heidi, Heather, Holly, Haley, Hope, Hillary. And huh. uh, well, they're what's all the story just, with the H's. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like J, my husband's family's all J's like J, Jerry, Jessica, Jasmine, Jody, Jennifer, you know, and my, um, all of our kids are S's. Oh. So, but then our grandkids, um, our cool. daughter, Savannah, she broke the curse. So, oh, <laughs> okay. You know, her first, her first uh, son was Noah. And I said, oh, so now you're going to have like a Noah and a, yeah, yeah. And a, like a, and she's like, yeah, no, we're not doing Nimrod. that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nimrod. <laughs> Let's bring Nimrod back. <laughs> you know what? If, if ever there was a time to do it, now's the time. Yeah. This be the time. Don't, don't, don't experiment on your own kid though. Make something, <laughs> call somebody else that. Right, right. Uh, that's funny See how well it goes do it in do you, Portland. do you guys have animals do you have dogs and stuff do you raise chickens is there anything no. else no no are you a member no. of the clan or anything anything no. else we need to know about okay do you do, <laughs> no. you, do you uh do you like guns do you have guns heck yes oh yeah okay oh yeah yeah Second we Amendment just supporter? My, absolutely my husband and i just got back a little while ago from a front site where i got Ooh. pretty darn fast with my Glock. Not going to lie. Nice. And, uh, yeah, massive defender of the second amendment. If we don't have the second amendment, we're Australia, you know, we're, yeah. we're Canada, you know, yep. uh, never I let know. them take away your weapons. Yeah. Well, with that front site, were you nervous to go? That's a training oh, facility in Nevada for yes. those of you who don't know. Yeah. Yeah. In Pahrump, Nevada. And, and, and yes, but it was an excellent experience. It was wonderful. We were there for, I think five days five days uh, well yeah man they get you up early in the morning and and they spend you know we did it uh, in conjunction with rick green and patriot academy and so mm-hmm. and they teach you you know gun safety and how to use your weapon and unload and reload and drop your magazine fast and what happens if a bullet gets lodged in the chamber and all the things yeah. so you spend you know five days doing that in the daytime and then the mm-hmm. evening we're studying the constitution uh so i loved that as well was your hand sore after Yes, actually. Okay. This is fun. Funny story. So my husband thinks it's a good idea to get me a revolver. Mm. So he gets me a revolver and it has, you know, moon, it has a moon clip in it. Right. So I'm up, you know, I'm trying to, trying to do the thing. And I don't have, I have arthritis in both of my uh, thumbs. I cannot, I can't, I, my, my fingers were shaking so bad. I couldn't put the moon clip in the chamber. And so after like the first day I was done, I was like, I'm flying home. This is dumb. I can't even hold the like, I can't even hold it. You know, my hand's so weak. So front sight is awesome. And they said, let's, they had a whole bunch of different weapons that you can rent that you can try. 
And I ended up really liking, I can't remember the model, but it was a a Glock. It was a full size uh, gun so I could hold it better. Mm -hmm. And by the end, man, I'm telling you what, I was shooting people square between the eyes. Look out. Nice. (laughs) Well, that's really impressive. You were able to do that with arthritis. That because that's a lot of shooting. It's like what? Well, it's the big a, a thousand that's why rounds the, or something. Yeah, and but but the the larger gun was what was made it easier for me. Was the revolver Glock was just too or, small. Was it a Glock thirty four or a Glock? I can't remember. Seventeen. My husband's just like if he was here, he'd be like, I cannot. Was it a nine millimeter? Got it. It's this. Remember but the I caliber? Remember. Yeah. Yes. Nine, nine and actually, uh, um, there's a. Uh, he's, I don't know, we just, he just picked up another one last night. So yeah, we're huge. Uh, we, you know, I've had my concealed weapons permit for many years, um, huge defenders, huge defenders of the second amendment. And it really, I mean, you're talking to a woman, right? I, I don't like it when people say you don't have the right to defend yourself, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. That's not okay. What's, what is with that? I don't understand how, how that, how the Democrats, Let's just face it. They're Democrats, basically some Republicans <laughs> too, but, but yeah. some, some Republicans go along with it, but uh, the Democrats don't want women to be able to protect themselves. And yet they're, they say they're pro woman. I don't get yeah. that. Well, they say they're pro woman and they also want men competing in women's sports. Yeah. So let's just be honest. It's yeah. a, it's a, they're a Weird. contradiction, you know, in terms, you know, we're, we're all about women's rights unless you're an unborn woman. And then we don't give two, two snaps about you. So yeah. it's a there it's a contradiction in terms of all over the place, but and but the gun issue for me, mm. uh, you got to be stupid, honestly, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but you got to be stupid to think that a gun just gets up in the morning, goes out and kills somebody. Right. You know, these are bad people doing bad things, and mm. you stop a bad guy with a gun by having a good guy with a gun, and you know the the caveat to that, obviously, and this is why we went to front site and why we go to the shooting range here, is that uh, I want to be proficient with my weapon. I want to be able to understand how to use it. We teach our kids gun safety. My brother-in-law was a, yeah, my brother-in-law is a major in the army and other, other families are, you know, hanging out and having Thanksgiving, you know, turkey dinner. We're out on the range with our kids. Uh, so, uh, I think that kids went too. that all of them did. Oh, 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 no, 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 they didn't not to, not to prevent, but next time, next time we go, we're taking the kids. We just go to the range here. And, uh, and I just think it's, I I just think that the gun safety piece, I mean, I don't want to be foolish, right? So we can't just be guns, 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 and then not teach kids a respect of the weapon, how to use the yep. weapon, you know, all the those history, things. I think history that's, of it, yeah. Yes, I think that part of it, you know, growing up, I grew up in a little town called Boring, Oregon. My husband grew up in Mount Vernon, Washington. You know, people were going to school with, you know, rifles on the racks in the back of their trucks, and there weren't school shootings. Right. The guns are not the problem, that's right? right? We got yeah. we got heart, heart issues in this nation. We got a yeah. soul sickness here. Now, um, so you have a, a very, you, you obviously really believe it because you have a concealed carry permit. And so you take, take that seriously. Do you carry a lot? Do you carry, what's your percentage of carry? Oh, think? not a lot. It depends on where I go. Usually my husband's with me. He carries, I'd say not hundred percent, almost hundred percent. So, um, All right. and actually but you like having it, the option. I like right. having the option. I don't always feel the need to carry. If I was going to go into the, uh, into a place where I didn't feel safe, uh, you bet I would. I'm, I'm typically with my husband. What's been interesting uh, here is the, the run for, for Congress. And we have, you know, security that goes with me almost everywhere I go now, uh, because we've had threats uh, that have been made against me 
since I've been in the race here. So definitely more, I got more, uh, probably more weapons around me now than I've had in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I'm glad I'm, I'm thankful. So there are guns in your school. Is that fair to say? I mean, that's what the Democrats are going to complain about. No, we don't uh, want if, any guns if, in school. We don't want any guns oh, in school. Oh, and then oh, they I'm complain sorry. when there's a school saying. shooting. Yeah, no, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes, there's no, definitely, there's no there one there to defend so, anybody. So the, the, the police are not your bodyguard. Center. The police are not your bodyguards. That's not no, the and here they've been the defunded. They can't even help you if they wanted to in Washington State now. Yeah. You're on your own. They're not uh, your bodyguards yes, anymore. I, mean, yeah. I would. Ha- we don't ever. We don't ask people when they, they come show in the Homestead Resource Center if they're carrying. But I would yeah. imagine a lot of those people are, and I'm thankful. I'm glad. So that doesn't bother you at all. No. And guns. Okay. No, no. I mean, yes. If you're leaving a loaded weapon out on the, out on your kitchen table and you got a two-year-old walking around and you're an idiot, then yes, it bothers me. Yeah. But if you're a responsible gun owner, you know how to use it. You're teaching your children respect. Like I said, in a fear of the weapon, they should be afraid of it. There should be a healthy fear. Yes. Uh, and so. And afraid of you getting in trouble with you. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my, my grandkids, uh, my grandkids call me Mamsie, you know? I was, and, uh, afraid, I was afraid of my dad. That's why there was no problems with guns in my household. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, our kids would, our kids would, would, uh, violate that rule one time. Yeah. You don't, you don't touch the weapon without talking to your mom and dad. You know, if, if one of us was dumb enough to leave it out, which we were not, but if we yeah. were the kids, You're know you don't touch that thing. You don't touch yeah. that thing. So, yeah. um, uh, I think it's just, you know, you're strict disciplinarians okay. with the kids. You think strict discipline is really good. I think rules without relationship uh, equates in rebellion. I think uh, mm. kids need kids need direction. They need yes, they need discipline. Uh, but I wouldn't call myself a strict disciplinarian. I you know uh, I have had raising seven children has been uh, the greatest privilege of my life. Truly. Mm-hmm. To be able to impact these kids, to help them figure out why they why they're here on this earth, and figure out what they're good at, and follow their passions. You know, I got a lot of artists. <laughs> Currently, I've birthed would, a lot of artists. Would you, would you uh, address just briefly rules without relationships equaling rebellion? Yeah, I mean, I think we see this a lot in Christian circles. You know, we have seen this over the years where parents are that super strict disciplinary. We got rules, 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 and it's all about the rules. And the kids ask questions. You don't ask me a question. You know, mm-hmm. you do it because I told you to. Right. Ah, I'm not. I'm not raising sheep. So if you have a question oh, okay. or if you don't understand that, why so they can I ask said, questions. Yes. Oh, if awesome. you don't, I mean, but they have to do it respectfully. Like the minute they say, you know, like here, here's a great, here's a, this is funny years ago. So my son, my son, Spencer, he's, you know, long since left, left the nest, but years ago, uh, he, you know, I'd asked him to mow, mow the grass, you know, mow the grass, Spencer. I come in and he's, he's not, uh, mowing the grass. He's on his couch on, on my couch, on my couch, on <laughs> his phone. And I Ooh. said, Spencer, I, I asked you to mow the grass. And he looked at me and he said, why don't you mow the grass? Ooh. Oh, Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. So I so, said, Spencer, give me your phone. Give me your phone. And at this point, he's like, abort, abort, abort. You know, he can tell, like, <laughs> oh, this is bad. This is bad. I said, yeah, give me your phone, Spencer. And he's like, okay. He kind of hands me his phone. I said, thank you. And I went out to the front yard and I checked that thing so hard and it hit the wall and shattered into a million pieces. And he was like, and my husband was like, 
good. Yes. That was expensive, but wow, what a lesson we're learning today. And Spencer was like, uh, I, I look around, where's Spencer? Oh, for goodness sake, he's getting the lawnmower out of the shed. Hmm. I'm surprised he had that reaction because, well, I don't know, oh, him, but he was but surprised. He's but, not getting you know his phone back. You just, you just killed no. him. <laughs> I just, you, you can't say I'll give it back to you when you get the, when they get the lawn mode. I, I'm not, no. And I'm, and I'm, you don't, you don't talk to your mom that way. I'm sorry. I what universe, Absolutely. what universe? No, no, we're not doing that. And so, yeah, you lost your phone and for life, and now you're going to go mow the grass and it's going to take you who knows how long to buy another phone, but that's the choice that you made when you sassed your mom. There's so some people I listening call to myself this and, a strict disciplinarian, yeah. but I would say I'm also with no BS. zone. so, okay. All right. So, yeah, like but, <laughs> but, uh, here's a question for you though, is, oh, no. uh, no, no. I mean, it just, you know, it's just coming to mind. Somebody's going to probably be listening to this in the future and they're going to say, you let your kids have phones. What, yeah. what, a- what age is this? He's probably 17. Okay. He's probably 16. What age 17. do you let your as kids have As soon as they phones? start, as soon as they start driving, I want them to have a phone. Okay. So if you're going to be in the, in the car, you're going to be driving. I want to track you on life 360, which I do. Uh, we use so, it. you know, yeah. and you're yeah, not yeah. giving them pay phones to do that. They're a little heavy, I guess. Yeah, no, I miss, I miss, uh, pay phones. We're all kind of, I think, addicted in some ways to our phones. And, uh, I've got a kid right now. My youngest is 11 and she's like, please let me get an Instagram. No, please, oh my please. Gosh. No, I can't no, even we're imagine. Not, no, not doing that. Even no, so, that. Yeah. Wow. My parents let me have a pay phone when I was a kid. And there you go. That's kind of that, what I got too. They gave you, I knew where it was. I knew, which, I knew how to get there. It was about a five minute walk. <laughs> I couldn't take we've any pictures with quarters. it. <laughs> yeah. We've made it. We've dimes, made it. Dimes, dimes, Heidi, dimes. Yeah. yeah. See, my yeah, wife and yeah. I did 13 with our kids and, and that has, you know, thinking teenage and, you know, mature a little yeah. bit early. But a lot of restrictions and life three life three sixty is awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, life three sixty is great. Do, do these homeschool kids do they learn logic at any time before they graduate high school? Well, they learn what their parents teach them. So okay. we're not we are not uh, we do not determine the course of study for them. That's up to the parents. But we have a whole lot of different classes. Like I said, about two hundred classes that are offered there, and logic is one of them. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So 200 classes. How do you, how do you get the material for these classes? Like- the, these are all taught um, by individual, by teachers who contract independently. Mm-hmm. So a teacher would come to me and, and they would say, or to the, you know, to the center director, it's not me. And they would say, Hey, I want to teach a uh, constitution or I want to teach German, or I would like to teach quilting or um, I'm, I would like to teach biology. And then we, we say, all right, you know, tell us a little here, fill this out, go over the scope and sequence, tell us what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if we like the class, then we let them teach it. And the, ter- and the, and the teacher determines the rate of pay that they get and they determine the materials fee and the center gets a small percentage of that. So that's how where, it runs. Where does the money come from to do this for the, the parents? It is all uh, privately funded. So it, so because we don't take money from the government, I'm a huge believer in keep the government out of education, particularly as it relates to private education and especially homeschooling. Um, but the parents pay for it. And if, if someone comes to me and says, I really want to do this, but I don't have any money, then we do, we will do work exchanges with families. So it's, you know, we'll say, Hey, we get, we need a janitor on Wednesday nights, you know, from seven to nine, or we need this. Or, so we do work exchange. 
and uh, so we, in this way, we don't turn anyone away. Wow. And if there is, if there is a, um, a crisis in the family, um, then we have scholarship programs that are just straight scholarships. Um, but everything is done That's on an cool. individual, individual basis, but it's all privately funded. And it's very affordable because we own our building outright. So we don't have uh, a oh. giant mortgage that we're paying every month. They own the are there any online options or not right no. now? Mm-mm. Not right now. Not right now. So the, I, I'm a, the, I'm a huge the, uh, believer. The teachers in come to the, the teachers yeah. come to the building then. Mm-hmm. What about sports? How do they get involved in sports? Like if they so wanna... we don't, we have like PE programs, but the homeschool resource center doesn't have the um, facilities for a full, you know, for a full sports program, the building we just put an offer on does. So we're hoping to have our own, like, like a, like a sports field where we could do football and that kind of thing. But there are uh, sports leagues here that are homeschool sports leagues that the kids can, they actually can uh, do sports at the local public school. If the parents want to, you know, play Russian roulette with this, with the school system, uh, homeschool kids can get into the sports programs here. I think that being in Congress on the West coast is uh, particularly hard on the member of Congress because you have the travel involved. Um, The, the time you're in Washington is far away from where you live and where your district is. Um, You have to maintain two residences basically. Right. And you don't have a lot of money to do that. It's you only get 180,000, 180,000. A lot of people, well, that's a lot of money. Well, Washington it goes by is really fast. the most yeah. expensive city, one of the most expensive cities. So a lot of a lot yeah. of members of Congress, they sleep in their office. And yeah. it's probably not the best way to do business to remain fresh and on your game. Right. But, but um, right. the these guys are, you know, they're putting their kids through college. I mean, they're doing something. I don't know why they would want to put their kids through college. But and I teach college. Right. Right. But um there's a lot of uh, practical issues there and I'm sure you're aware of those, right? You're, you're, are you going to get another residence there? In, in uh, Washington? I, have, I, you know, we haven't quite figured that out. Probably we would just rent an apartment and yeah. go back and forth. So I'm actually used to the back and forth. I go back and okay. forth to the East coast regularly. So, okay. you know, I just got my diamond medallion again with the Delta. Okay. So, you know, okay. I fly, I fly a lot and, and, uh, I plan on flying. I think that's part of what's missing in representative government right now is that our representatives go and they get residences and they don't come home. And my grandkids are here. My life is here. My past is here. My businesses are here. My family's here. Uh, I plan on coming home. And so when the Congress is in session, they meet Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the reason they do that is so people like me can get on a plane on Friday Right. And meet with their constituents on Saturday, go to church with their family on Sunday and get back on a plane on Monday. It's pretty grueling, but I see yeah. this as a wartime appointment. And I think our country's worth fighting for. And we're at war. We are at war with an ideology right now that would steal the soul of this country and, uh, and turn us into a socialist nation. And so I see this as a wartime appointment. I'm not, I'm not going for the money. I make a whole lot more money in my career as an author and a speaker than I would ever make on the floor of the House of Representatives. So this isn't about right. money for me. It's not about... Uh, it's, it's not about uh, platform. It's because I believe we need new leadership and we need people who are willing to put their heads together and work with the people that they represent and start turning the ship around that the Democrats have been sinking now for decades. And it's going to take a lot of work. How are you going to get your staff? You're going to have a lot of staffing decisions right away. Where are you going to draw from for your staff? 
So I have uh, a few connections in, in Washington, D.C. Actually, there are several people here that I would uh, want to take with me. So and then also, you know, we're already uh, making connections with people in Washington, D.C., people that I know that I trust uh, so you're that gonna, I'm you're going to really need to trust your staff. Yes. Yes. And the same thing is true uh, on my campaign. I've learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so that you're going to need smart people. Yep. Well, and you know, I'm so glad that you say that because someone said to me and I, you know, my opponent, one of my opponents in particular, he keeps saying, you know, I have all, basically he's running as the guy who has all the answers. Well, I'm not running as a person who has all the answers. I think that the smartest leaders surround themselves with people who are wise in their areas of of leadership and to go and and pretend like I have all the answers or I'm going to make this big change on day one. Really, I'm just trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B and where does the train stop? Uh, It's, it's disingenuous Mm. and uh, sure. And and it's not going to have a relatively small staff. You're not going to be able to pay them very much and you're going to be up against a bureaucracy, which is permanent and they have lots Mm -hmm. of staff. And they're, they're not running for re-election and they don't live in Washington and they don't fly home on the weekends. They have plenty of time and they will wait you out. I'm just I'm just letting you know they will wait you out mm-hmm. because they have all the time in the world. You have to go in there with wide eyes about that and your staff. You're going to have to have the right people in the right people that can do it for that amount of money. And they're way smarter than that amount of money because they're going to be the kind of people that are going to be able to deal with these bureaucracies and these agencies that send people to your office, right? Or they don't even come to your office. They expect you to go to their office or they come to the committee, wherever, whatever committee assignment you get. And they come prepared for their stack of BS. And you're have, you have to deal with that. And by the way, you're not reading that 2000 page bill. Your staff right, is right. Your staff right. will have to read that. You'll have to trust what they're saying because you don't have time. You will not yeah. have time to read everything. And so you need a lot of prayer, Heidi. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you. You have a lot of courage. And wow. Um, it's, you it's, know, yeah. I, I, I'm doing this because I know I've been asked to do it. And, mm-hmm. I've, I've lived long enough now and done enough, you know, done enough sort of crazy things. People said, you know, the homeschool resource center is never going to fly. They said, you know, mm. having seven kids, wow, that's, that's going to kill you. And it, it almost, almost did to be fair. You, uh, you do not look that old. I mean, I, I, when you said you had grandkids and I can't remember what you said exactly, but I was like, wait, how old are you? I, I, I thought you were younger than I was. And I'm like, I'm 52. Wow. wow. I'm 52. I'm 27. I turn 27 every year. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I just had a birthday and my husband every Happy year, he's just like, my husband was like, are you, what is it now? Are you, is it, is it 2023? 20, like that's the year that he's. Well, how do you, do, what do, do you, do you work out? Do you, uh, do you eat healthy? Are you like, is this, how do you maintain um, the, the, I thrive on stress. <laughs> <laughs> What's your typical I, day? Do you wake I, up I early or, you, or do you naturally wake up early? Um, typically, yeah. I mean, I'm, I am somebody who, um, my mind is always going. So it's, you know, you know, you sleep well at night. Do you sleep all all night? Do you get plenty Mm -hmm. of sleep? Do you take naps? How do you, how do you make sure you get your rest? I don't know. I think it's a loaves and fishes thing. I think God just multiplies the little sleep that I 
Wow. That I get. I don't know. But I um I think you know <laughs> I think sleep on the plane, I, I guess. I, I, Can you, you know, sleep on a plane? Can no, you? I cannot. I no, can't it hurts my neck. Hurts yeah, my neck. I, I always either. wake up and I'm like, oh, then it takes you like you just gotta move really slow this way. And it's like um no, I yeah, I, I think uh, people sometimes will ask me this question and um I just don't I just don't have an answer. I you know, I don't have an answer. It gets done. Heidi, you seem yeah. like you're very calm. You seem very calm. You seem clear-eyed. You seem like you're well-rested. You seem like you're well-adjusted and everything. You will be tested to the limit if you get to Congress. You will, you, it will, you will leave it all on the field, and you'll need a lot of prayer and a lot of people around you supporting you because it's going to feel very lonely, and it's a huge bureaucracy that's permanent that you're up against, not to mention the white house. I haven't even mentioned the white house, whoever's in the white house. That's another thing because that's the person that has to sign it. The, the mm -hmm. bill Like you cobble together a bill and it gets through somehow one house and then it gets the other house and it looks almost the same as what you passed in the original house. And then that guy has to sign it or that lady or uh, gosh, is there a third option now? Oh, and it's, it's, there, there is, there is. So you, you are very brave and it might be that your, your biggest calling is actually not even really what you do on the floor of the house. It might just be, um, that you're an example and inspiration for somebody else. Maybe somebody on your staff who then takes the baton and goes all the way. Maybe. I'm not, yeah, I don't and, know. Or, and, or, and, or hundreds of thousands of parents, hundreds of thousands, millions of people across the country paying attention to what you're saying, listening, actually taking it in. That might be, I don't know, but I do really think that's a large, a large part of it. You know, like I said at the beginning, I'm not doing this for, for money or platform or fame or anything. A large part of the reason I'm doing this is that I want, I, ho I hope it inspires people. I hope people say, you know, if that homeschool mom of seven who doesn't need the gig and doesn't have the time, loves this country enough to leave it all in the field for freedom, to say this is a representative government, it only works if we participate in it. We have to participate. Right. And as much as, you know, I've had, you know, a hundred people tell me about how terrible uh, Washington, D.C. is. I actually went and spent a couple of days up there with my friend, Representative Mary Miller stayed in her little one room studio apartment it was ungodly amount of money that she pays for that thing every month. And, uh, I stayed there and we walked, you know, back and forth up to Capitol Hill. And I went to staff meetings with her and just kind of shadowed her for a few days. That's and good. she, she also has seven children and she is also a grandmother and she yeah. loves this country. And, and we have uh, a crisis of leadership in this country. And, and either we allow, uh, the bureaucracy, the permanent bureaucracy, and the uh, and the state of affairs in this country to frighten us, and we just go, it's too much. I give up. Never mind. The, the surest way for us to lose this fight is to not show up. And so I'm willing to show up. And I I hope uh, this is you know as much as I I'm going to run this this race in such a way as to win it. But if I don't win it, uh, I'm not going to go away. I'm going to keep fighting for freedom. We're going to keep talking about the issues that uh, relate to education in particular. We've got work to do. We got work to do. Have you thought and about so, local office? Have you thought about something you know, more it's, local? It's funny. I, it never occurred to me. It just, um, I just knew that God said, 
run for run for Congress. And there are several days when I was like, I am not talking to my husband about this because he's going to be like, woman, when will you stop? When will it be enough? You know, and uh, <laughs> and so I I really. I mean, I, I, it was probably two weeks of me just, you know, waking up with my heart racing. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew that that was what I was supposed to do. And I, I asked my husband, Jay, if he would pray about it with me and he did. And then we met with all of our children and, and uh, a former state representative. And I said, tell my family, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what it would be for me to be in Congress. And she spent probably three hours with them and it was nothing, nothing good. It was just bad and no. ugly. You know, your, your mom's going to be, they're going to criticize her. They're going to uh, go after your family's business. They're going to, and and that all of those things have happened. That's right. And all of those things have happened just in my run. Uh, you know, and like I told you guys at, uh, before the show, I'm running against uh, a Trump, a guy that Trump endorsed. Oh yeah. yeah. Which, say, which, say which that. really I just, it I just, think this is the first time you said it on recording. Head. So who's, who's the other guy that Trump endorsed? Uh, he's a guy named Joe Kent and uh, he's not from here. He moved over here from Portland, Oregon. He was a registered Democrat for almost 10 years in, in Portland, Oregon, voted for Bernie Sanders in, in, in uh, the Oregon primaries. And, uh, and uh, now, and now Trump endorsed he's him? seen the light. Trump endorsed him because his wife was killed uh, by a suicide bomber in the service in 2019, and, which, you know what? I commend her for her service. She what left was her, what was his wife's three-year-old name? little boys. What was Shannon, his wife's? Shannon. Ah, she was a CTI. I was a CTI in the Navy. Yes. So, so Trump met. I know, I know uh, of the lady that, that you're talking about. She, she was in Syria and yes. it was a road. It was a, it was a suicide bomber. Yes. She was killed by a suicide she was working bomber. with special forces. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I know. her. That's right. And, and Trump met her, her husband who is now my opponent. Uh, when her body came home, Trump. Well, he's a he's tarmac. an army guy, isn't he? Like, I think he's like a warrant officer. He's an army guy. Warrant. He was a warrant officer, and then he was CIA. He's uh, a Green Beret. Yeah, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I was yep. in that same. And, co- I was in that community when I was in the Navy. I was a linguist as well. She was a linguist. Oh. Okay. I was a right yeah. On. So that's a cryptology. Anyway, okay. So it's a small community, Smart. but. Yeah, very smart, well, uh, smart you know, woman, and it's and and I I wonder, you know, I, I looked at you know President Trump asked me, you know, why would you run against a gold star husband? And I said, sir, because I'm a better candidate. Uh, you know, this guy's not from my district. He's never lived here. Uh, he, you know, he came over here to run, and he has no record of conservatism, and that should that should alarm people. When someone wants a seat in the federal government as a Republican, you should have a record of proven conservatism you know, at least show me who you voted for and he got nothing so it, it it concerns me greatly i i i remain deeply concerned about his policy his policies i would say he's a borderline socialist uh he was just on twitter last week talking about seizing bill gates's land it's time to seize bill gates's property well in the united states that's not how things work right are we going to seize the means of production next i mean where do we go from there it's you sad know, to me a, to think that that couple was were a, was a Bernie couple. That's just sad to me. Well, it's, oh my it's gosh. Far, you know, well, Joe would tell you what Joe was saying is that he, he voted for Bernie, but it was strategic. He voted for him to, you know, to sort of emulate Operation Chaos. And, uh, and he was trying to help the, 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 the primary so the Trump would have a better shot. What a bunch of BS that is. So this guy's running as a Republican? Anywhere in the country. Is yes. Re- and Trump and George, that's what I'm saying. Yes, he is. Mm. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. that's that's you got your work cut out for you. I mean, Trump you doesn't like wrong. you for some reason. Why doesn't Trump like? No, me? he like he, he like Trump likes me fine. He just okay. he he wants to give Joe Kent a job, and that's what he told me. He's like, "What else could I help Joe with?" And I said, "Sir, with all due respect, when someone loses their spouse in the military, you send them flowers and money. You don't send them to Congress. Like that's not that's not how we do things, or it shouldn't be." But Trump is making a series of very bizarre endorsements right now, and I have tremendous respect for the president. I voted for him twice. I stumped for him. My literary agency dropped me because of my public support for President Trump. I, I paid dearly for speaking out on his behalf out on the road. And so I was sad when he uh, chose to endorse my opponent, but that's his right. He has every right to be wrong, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it, it's, it's turned the race on its head. That's for sure. And so, you know, it, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep fighting. I, I know in my heart uh, that I'm, a better candidate and a better person for this job. And so I'm going to make my case to the people and uh, I'll either win it or I won't. And you know what? Here's the thing. My self-esteem is not tied up in this thing. You yeah. know, I've got a, a wonderful family and a wonderful career and a great marriage and, and all of those things that, of which I am passionate about. I've got a brand new book coming out next year. Uh, What's and, your new uh, book called? It's called uh, mom strong 365. It's a 365 day devotional for women. It's the, largest uh thing i've ever written it took me took me two two years to write it what's your what's your um, writing process when you come to a book you get an idea for a book how long does it take mm -hmm. you to put it together when do you write do you write in the morning do you write at night are you a night owl how do you write it it, it really just so my process is almost always the same i make an you hire a ghostwriter so, no i um although i did have a little help with the the last part of the 365 because that was a lot of writing I, I never want to do that again. Like it was, you know, 300 words times 365. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I was like, wow, I did not think this project through when I said I would do it. Do you self-publish um, them? No, these are these I have self-published, but uh, this is, I think, book number six in a series of seven books I'm writing for Tyndale. Oh, so Tyndale. I work. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I work. I work. I love, love Tyndale. Work, work with them. And uh, and so typically what I'll do is come up with an idea. Mm -hmm. A title. I'm a title. I love words. Yeah. So I'll come up with, uh, with words. And then after that, I'll, I'll sketch it out. So I storyboard all of my books. So I have a giant whiteboard and I will Ooh. storyboard it. And then from there, I kind of circle the things that really pop out to me. Definitely want to definitely want to hit on this. Don't know if I want to touch on that. And then eventually a book, a book is written. Oh. And then you just hit all the, all the points on your whiteboard. And do you sit there and yeah. look at your whiteboard as you type? Sometimes. It just depends. Do you type um, I on a typewriter? Have, what, what do you use? On my, just my laptop. But I, laptop. I, yeah, I love that you and, took that question seriously. I no, love that. no, it's funny. You're like, it's no, actually, no, I don't use a typewriter anymore. It's um, actually funny. My son is writing a script right now and he is working. The reason I answered is because he, is work, he has been working on my grandfather's typewriter. When my granddad so passed vintage. away. Yeah. When my granddad passed away, um, because I love to write, they gave me his typewriter. Oh, that is and, so cool. Uh, I, and my grandfather was a pastor. And so I have 27 volumes of his sermons that were written on that typewriter. Oh, wow. So, so, so it actually is, it actually is kind of a, a precious thing. How do you get the my, ribbons for that? Family. Do they still make those? The, the, uh, so there ink, you go. Ink, how do you get the ribbons for that? The ink ribbons, do they still make those? I they think you need they an ink do. Ribbon. 
it's yeah. like you do, but it also has like a correction. Like it's a really cool, it's an, um, one of the first electric typewriters. Oh, it's an electric. So okay. like when I was in high school, we, we had this electrics, remember that? So, right. you know, you had this electric and it, and, and I actually learned on a manual typewriter because there were only, I, yeah. yeah. And there were only three electrics in the whole class. And when you got the electric, you're like, yeah, I got the electric, you know? So, uh, <laughs> You know, my That's kids cool. are never going to know the joys of, you know, jamming your finger into the, <laughs> into one of those keys. Like, oh, that hurt. That took your nail off. True. Looking back, uh, Heidi, at your life, um, do you have any regrets? What do you wish you did anything differently? Or would you do the all the same way? Uh, I think my, my, I mean, I think we all have regrets, right? And I always tell this to my kids, like, be careful with your words. Mm. You know, you can say things that wound people. And once you say, them, you can't take them back. Um, but I grew up, I am so, I, I feel incredibly blessed. I grew up in a very, very unhappy home. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was uh, young and uh, I married Jay when I was 19. And uh, I, like I said before, I, I consider it really, especially where I came from. Um, and I wrote about it in, in Becoming Mom Strong, and I've done interviews with Dr. Dobson and other people about my family life, but it was very, very hard. And I consider myself the most blessed among women uh, that I found and married a wonderful man uh, who has been good to me my whole adult life. And uh, I consider the family to be a tremendous uh, blessing. And in so in that regard, you know, I've married to the same man for 33 years and we've been faithful to each other and we've had difficult times. I mean, certainly we've been through uh, financial difficulty. We lost a child to miscarriage. We've, uh, we've walked through some very, very deep water, but it's made us stronger. And so in that respect, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, wow. Yeah. I feel, uh, humbled and, and yeah. And just, uh, my life has been difficult in a lot of ways, but I think it, that adversity uh, shapes who we are in a lot of ways. And it determines how we respond to the challenges that, that face us, you know, new challenges. I'm facing a new challenge right now. Uh, and I've got my family by my side and I consider that to be a tremendous, for, to me, that's a win. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if, like I always tell my kids, you know, if you just be careful what you say, there are things that we say uh, because of all the things that, you know, stupid things I've done in my life, you know, if I regret anything, it's just like, wow, I wish I hadn't said that to my kid, or I wish I had said that to my, my former best friend or, <laughs> you know, in a moment of anger, I think sometimes we say things that um, we forget that words carry tremendous power with them. I think it's why I like writing so much and why uh, I really want to uh, get a shot at speaking on the floor of the house of representatives. I think words move nations. And so uh, I'm always telling my kids, be careful, be careful about your words. They're important. What's your philosophy of social media? Do you, do you think social media is helpful for us? Um, I think it's at, at this time, uh, it is the public square now, it, you know, for better or for worse. And I think a lot of ways for worse, I think it's certainly hurting our children. There's no question. Um, our kids are more insecure now than they've ever been. They're taking selfies. They want to, you know, the kids want filters on Instagram and yeah. now we got TikTok. And 
I think it's absolutely hurting our children. Um, I think without it though, uh, right now, we would be very, very limited in the, in the voices that we would hear because That's true. You know, the mainstream media would limit most of our voices. And so social media is a platform and it can be abused certainly. Uh, and we're watching, you know, Facebook, I'm on, you know, I've been in Facebook jail so many times, ridiculous, but um, <laughs> I, I think at this point, uh, social media is probably a necessary evil, um, yeah. but I hate it for children. I just, I hate it for children. I think it's a dumpster fire for adults. And I think we say yeah. things that, and even I do it, you know, you, you can be, you know, like if I'm typing really fast, you know, I'm on social media, my husband's like, what's going on? You need a glass of wine? You need some chocolate? Should we take a walk? You know, what are you, what are you about to hit enter? Yeah. Think about it. Right. You know, think before, uh, before you, you hit enter and you say something that you can't get back. And this is funny. And I'll, I, and, you know, I won't belabor this point, but um, when <laughs> I met with president Trump, um, my opponent, one of the very first things I got to meet with the president for an hour by myself, it was an extraordinary. You had an hour with president Trump. <laughs> wow. How yes. did you use that hour? Uh, it was an extraordinary um, opportunity and I'm very, very, where grateful. was this? Was, was this when he was president? No, it was at his residence in um, Bedminster at the Trump, uh, Trump international at and Bedminster, New Jersey. Anyway, so I'm there. And I, I'm, you know, sit down and meet with him and he pulls out a dossier that was sent to him by my opponent. And one of the very first questions that the president asked me was why I don't pay my federal taxes. He said, Heidi, I see here. He opens, it was like a real life apprentice, right? So he opens up this thing and he starts reading. He says, Heidi, I see that your businesses have been closed for a failure to pay federal tax. Why don't you pay your federal taxes? And I was like, I don't even know what he's talking about. And he says, I see that you filed bankruptcy multiple times. I still do not know what he is talking about. And I'm getting mad as he's reading this, right? And uh, it, as it turns out, he was reading uh, his own file. <laughs> yeah, <kidding>. right. <laughs> no, that uh, was hold he, on. I think that's your file, <laughs> Don. Uh, um, Don, abort, Don. Let me look at the file. Hold on a sec. Just, okay, I'm sorry. I know, right. So, I, I don't mean to be. I voted for him too. I, I'm, it, this is all right. loving jibs. Well, yeah. Right. So it was. Uh, as it turns out, there's another Heidi St. John in my district and my opponent who used to work with the CIA and should know better, apparently mixed me up with her and they sent her information to him. <laughs> I'm sure it was entirely accidental. It was an accident. Well, they say it was, they didn't mean it. They don't know what happened. They're, 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 just, they're just so sad about it. So anyway, but he's reading that to me and I'm like, well, that's not true. And that's not true. And that's not true. And then he goes, and I also see you didn't like me very much in the spring of 2016. And he starts reading a Facebook post that I wrote about him. In 2016, now you have to understand, you know, and that I, was the I right ben, one. That was the right yes, one. Yes, it was the okay. only thing in that whole dossier that was actually me. And okay. I, I, you know, I know Dr. Ben Carson. I've spoken with him out on on the stump, and he was my guy in the primaries. I I wanted him, and and the president is reading, and it was, I mean, it was a blistering. What I said about President Trump, it was a blistering rebuke. It really was, and he was reading it to me. When in my wildest dreams, when I was typing that thing out, did I think <laughs> one of these days? President Trump going to read this back to me. I was telling my kids, no. the internet yeah. is forever. Right. It's forever. <laughs> so if you put something Well, he up, gave you said, an hour though. That's that you got to look at. Of course, you didn't know at the time he was going to give you an hour maybe, but, but that's a huge I, thing. I mean, he could have just not met with you at all or give you five minutes. No, it, it, it was remarkable. And, uh, and must I have impressed him to, for him. him to give you an hour. You must have impressed him somehow. You know, I think I, I have not talked to him since then, and certainly not since he endorsed my opponent. 
but uh, like I said, I will always be grateful. I think that at the end of the day, his advisors and the people he has around him, the people that are telling him to endorse, you know, Oz, Dr. Oz and all these other yeah. knuckleheads he's endorsing. Yeah. He, I don't think he comes to these decisions on his own. I think there are a lot of people around him that are giving him bad information. And frankly, it's hurting him in conservative circles because oh, man, people I'm, are, people are, people around here. Was, like, if it was me in that you? meeting, Heidi, you're so nice. If it was me in that meeting, I would have been like, you need to fire whoever gave you that file because well, actually, you're wasting your, your time and you're wasting my time. And it's frankly embarrassing. Actually, you, I mean, I, it's the name I that's spelled the right. Sort of, that's all. Okay. Did you? I, well, no, I, well, because <laughs> I didn't know where it came from at the time. I just knew it wasn't true. So I didn't, I didn't, you were nice. it took me, well, I actually stood to my feet and I said, sir, with all due respect, everything you're reading about me in that dossier is a lie, except for that 2016 Facebook post. And can I please speak freely about it? And he said, go oh. ahead. So I said, you know, you came down that golden escalator and I was not impressed. I saw a reality TV star and we don't need that. Our nation's on fire. We need a constitutionalist. We need someone to, to uh, return this country to the rule of law. We, mm. We've got huge issues in this country. And I said, I didn't think you could pull it off. And I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, and uh, at that That's point, That's why I, I gave I you an hour. That's why I gave <laughs> I, you an hour because you stood to your feet and said, you know, it's not necessarily a lie. It's just, it's just wrong. It's, it's the wrong person, idiot. It's the wrong person. Wait, and it was the just, social well, security it, number. You can't misspell a social security number. And to me, not not really. I mean, you guys, what are the odds that there would be another Heidi St. John in my district? Right? Who that is, is almost weird. almost my age. She's almost she's like a year younger than me. It's so bizarre. And you don't know you don't know this other person. Well, what's really funny is a long, long time because I'm a public figure, right? Out on social media, a lot of people have been following me for a long time. And she reached out to me one day and was like, "I got your name," and we thought that was funny. Ha ha ha! Well, it wasn't funny. You know, it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> it would have been funny if she was President paying Trump. taxes and saying nice things right. about Trump, though. Then you'd have been like, right. "Yeah, that was me." That was me. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a lot of things, but I'm, I'm kind of a, like I said at the beginning with my kids, I'm kind of a no BS zone. So like here, another thing that happened Good in the you. very beginning of, in the beginning of the race, uh, you know, here I am brand new to running for politics. I've been going yeah. back and forth to DC and to Olympia mm. on behalf of legislative issues for a long time, but I've never actually run for office. I'm just kind of a pundit, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I go to my very, very first public forum with two guys that are running against me. And I think at this point, Joe Kent already knew that he had the, uh, the endorsement of president Trump. In fact, I was at a thing, an event with him last night. He said that, you know, when he got into the race, he was already vetted, you know, they'd already vetted him. Well, that would have been good information for me to know. Right. So I don't, I yeah. don't know any of this stuff. Well, I mean, and so they say how many careers has he had? He's got a W two from the military, from the government, from the bureaucracy. He's got a top secret clearance that special forces. People can do whatever they want. Typically they're used to getting their way and yeah. there's no business. They, what business does he have? What there's Nothing. no complications with his, with his taxes. No. It's well, easy. You can't find him online. He's like a CIA spook. So you can't sure. find anything out about him. I mean, the so whole thing's bonkers. Up. He uses so signal in, for text messages for since right, he was right? eight. Right. Since he was eight. Uh, so we, um, so they asked this question, you know, if, if uh, Trump endorses one of the guys up on the stage, will the rest of you drop out and get behind him so we can get rid of this, this incumbent. And in my, my initial gut was, well, shoot fire. Like whoever Trump endorses, is going to suck the oxygen out of the room for everybody else, at least, at least for a little while. And I thought, well, yeah. he's a, he's a conservative, you know, I'm concerned. We, we want, we want the same things. We believe the same things. And so I don't need this gig. So sure. Yeah. If Trump endorses him and he, and I thought, you know, he was who I thought he was. I said, I would get out of the race. Well, 
fast forward, you know, that was in March. Well, Trump endorses in September and within five minutes of Trump's endorsement, the Kent campaign is calling me and demanding that I uh, get out of the race. Hmm. And I I said, no, because by that point, I had learned that he was a Bernie Sanders Democrat from Portland. Well, I'm sorry. I don't think you're a conservative now. And my grandkids live here and I'm not going to give get out and give the race to you. Well, then after that, you know, Heidi's a liar. Heidi doesn't keep her word. So I have legit spent like the last seven months going, I didn't lie. I, I, I gave the best answer that I had based on the information that I had at the time. And when I got new information, I changed my mind. And, uh, but even last night, you know, same thing in in a room full of, you know, uh, uh, rabid Joe Kent supporters. So a lot of it, I, I wish that the president had used greater discernment in his endorsement. He's, he's really screwing up a lot of races around the country right now. I mean, we got to remember this guy, he endorsed Mitt Romney, he gave money to Kamala Harris. He doesn't have a great track record. He endorsed John McCain for Senate, you know, it sounds uh, crazy. <laughs> well, let, me it, guess, he, ent- let me guess. Let me guess. 11 rounds in the magazine are- is a felony for him. Uh, let right. Me guess. Let right. me guess. Yeah. So it's just, Who it's knows? very, um, it's, it's, it's just interesting to me to, to watch what's going. It doesn't change how I feel about the president as a president. I think he was a wonderful president. I wish he would have sure. stayed off Twitter, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I'm in the fight of my life here. There's no, no question. Uh, and my family's in it. Do your, you know, does we're, your we're district like Trump? Is it because I don't know much about Washington. So um, it's just, this is a soft, it's, it's, I'd say more purple now. It's definitely turning purple um, mm, here. Okay. It, it was solidly conservative and, it, you know, we're very close to the Portland, Oregon border and these guys escaping Portland, the mess, the tragedy that is Portland, Oregon, and they bring their ridiculous politics with them and they're screwing up the district here. You could use um, that. You could use his, his Trump endorsement against him then. It, actually, there's a lot of people here who don't like Trump, um, but I wasn't one of them. You know, I, I, I yeah. was a huge supporter. You'd have to be careful how so. you do it. You have to say, well, yeah, I am a Republican. Well, he, you know, he's a, he's a human being, and I think yeah. the the, the right. issue, my issue, my issue is why are we allowing one man to determine the outcome of a congressional seat? Why um, why is it that right. one man can put right. his finger on the scales and then everybody just bows down? It's like the mask. <laughs> you know, we're back to that again. Yes, I, I'd That's like right. to see people right. think for themselves, think critically, you know, and, and run the race. But I have been uh, they They've been trying to get me out of the primary since the Trump endorsement. So a lot of pressure to get out of the primary would have been a lot easier for me to do it, to just get out, get my life back. But um, I'm not going to give the district to a guy with no record of voting as a Republican to a guy who who literally voted yeah. once in a Republican. He, he voted one time as a Republican and we're supposed to think he's a he's a solid conservative. I'm not buying it. You know, spend some time showing me that you're a Republican, that you're really a conservative and then run right. for Congress and then I'll endorse you. Right. But up until that, I don't trust you at all. And that's how I feel about him. Fair enough. Yeah. Curtis, I know that you got to go, right? Yeah, I'm going to need to bow out. Um, okay. All so right. uh, it's been wonderful having you on and it's been great spending the time with you and hearing everything. Best of luck to you. Uh, Thank you, Curtis. Stay in yeah. touch. Yeah, definitely. We will. All right. Take care. Thanks, take Curtis. Care. Well, um, I I can't imagine being in your situation where I, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. Uh, just all the different aspects of what you're dealing with. Um, it always sucks when there's friendly fire. You know, I hate it's terrible. Fire. I just yeah. it's 
Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I, I got into this race prepared to battle a Democrat. Right. And I. Right. But 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 what's happening here? I've never seen so much division, so much anger, so much vitriol. And uh, wow. it's among the Republican Party and it is tearing this party apart. So, you know, they're trying to get the local uh, GOP um, mm-hmm. from each county to uh, rewrite their bylaws and endorse in a primary. Mm. And even that is causing tremendous uh, discord. And I, I, I've never seen anything like it. And I've lived here pretty much my whole life. So wow, wow. yeah, it's a, a lot so, at stake. Yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, if, if this doesn't work out for Congress, I mean, do you think the Democrat will get in? I, or, um, I mean, if there's trouble with the two Republicans, you know, if, no, I mean, I, I think what will happen, well, it's a, it's a jungle primary here, which is stupid. So we have a late primary. So our primary is not until August 2nd. And then it's a jungle primary, meaning mm-hmm. it's the top two that advance. So it could be two Republicans, you know? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, they're, they're running, the Democrats are running a pretty unimpressive guy right now. Brent, Brent Henrik, who feels the need to tell everybody what his pronouns are. So, mm-hmm. um, they're trying so I, to make that popular like masks. Right. Exactly. That's just what you do. And no one understands why you do it anymore. Right. Exactly. So I, I kind of think, and I heard just the other day that there's a woman now that they're going to run uh, mm. in the race. So, um, so it's, it's, I, we just did some polling last week and, and I am within the margin of error uh, for the incumbent and for the Trump and Dorsey. So um, I'm oh. just going to keep running my race and, and, uh, and trying to get a message out there. I mean, I have a message of hope. I, I just believe that if, you know, we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. And if ordinary people would engage in the process of, if we would uh, get back to taking responsibility for our, yeah. our actions and our leadership here, instead of just saying, well, I voted and that's it. And then go home and have a beer. No, you have to stay engaged. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And for me, and you're trying to um, model that. Yeah. Yes. And for me, that, that, uh, that's a win. Mm. So I'm going to stay in it. I think that my voice on the floor of the house of representatives will be a voice for freedom for people all over this country. I want to bring a shine a light on the, uh, the importance of uh, education in this country and what's wrong with the public school system and start thinking outside the box on it. And, uh, you know, and a lot of things that are happening in our federal government are coming, you know, or in our education system coming from the federal government, the department of education. Yeah critical race theory being funded by a grant from the federal government. Right. We got big issues because we got bad leaders. And uh, I'd, I'd like to be among yeah. a crop of, of leaders that love this country and has a, a moral compass. Well, I think that your the biggest uh, impact you can make in Congress <laughs> will not actually be what you say on the floor of the house. It'll be what you're, what you do everywhere else there mm-hmm. like in, in the closed meetings and mm-hmm. uh and mm-hmm. and how you select your staff and and how you build a coalition because the the powerful congress person the congressman or woman that is the one that that uh, makes friends fast mm-hmm. i agree and because you need a you need a chunk of people that you can kind of that kind of swing one way or the other and uh, that's how you get respect 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like a gang. It's like gang warfare on the street. You know? it's like, <laughs> well, it, it's it, like, it reminds me of church. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, you know, my husband went, church. my husband was, a, uh, yeah, my husband was a pastor for 20 years. Oh, wow. and, um, That's and I said to, to, it was, and I said to uh, a guy at this event that I was at last night, all these rabid, you know, Republicans, and I'm sorry, but we got huge issues in the Republican party. Yeah, absolutely. And That's part of why we're doing just, this podcast, Heidi. That's probably yeah, part yeah, of why. It's yeah. just, it's huge. And they've that. got to, they've got to stop looking. If Joe Kent can run as a Republican, everybody's a Republican. <laughs> everybody's a Republican now. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a Republican. Joe Biden's a Republican. Everyone's a Republican, right? right. We got to stop looking behind, you know, just going, oh, he's got an R behind his name. That's good enough for me. Oh, Trump endorsed him. That's good enough for me. And this guy says to me last night, he goes, how are you? He goes, you know, you ha- you do realize this is relationships, right? And I said, you know what this whole thing reminds me of? Hmm. Everything I've been doing in politics, I've been running now for a year and a half. You know, the, you know what y'all wow. remind me of? This is a Baptist potluck. It is. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're over That's here. Right. You know, we're arguing about the color of the of the carpet. Whose sacred cow is it that purchased the organ in the first place? And are we going to have hymns or choruses? And it's BS from sunup to sundown because we've forgotten what really matters. We're here to share the gospel. Hmm. We're not here to decide uh, about the color of the carpet. It doesn't matter if your granddad was invested in yes. the organ. Right. And we've got our focus on the wrong things. And I said, that's what's happening in the Republican Party, our focus on the wrong things. And so I'm trying to bring their, their attention, if, if it can even be done, back to what's really important instead of, you know, why are you supporting this guy? His wife was killed in combat or his wife was killed by a suicide bomber and Trump endorsed him. Okay, but why are you supporting him? I, I appreciate that story about his life, but what are his policies? Can you look beyond that? And uh, sadly, I'm finding the a lot of them that can't. You're- the fact that you're ha- you have to say that that's that's amazing to me yeah that's amazing. that's where we are well, i i i told you i heard him say last night he, you know he um he somebody called him out on a tweet that he uh, put out about seizing bill gates's private property because he thinks bill gates is a bad guy now was i was he there last that. night with you yeah okay yeah and so uh so he was able to respond to that yeah and so he just doubled down you know, well, it's a bad guy. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, dude, in this country, we do not seize private property. Can you hear yourself? But he does hear himself. You know, he reach, he'll, he'll retweet Bernie Sanders and he appreciates what Bernie has done for the country and blah, blah, blah. Well, and, and, and when he said, like I told you, when he said he voted for Bernie, he said, you know, it was Operation Chaos, but he's lying because Bernie had already dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden when Joe Kent voted for him. So it didn't help. The weaker well, of the one, two primary one person you know, voting isn't chaos. It's just an, it, that's just somebody being just, an idiot. It's just stupid. It's yeah, just it's stupid. Not chaos. And, and I, and I also don't like this idea that we should be, you know, trying, I mean, that's just a different way to rig an election, right? Oh, right. I know, I know. Vote is a, vote is a, a Democrat. Right. Oh, okay. How about we just get honest with her voting? Wouldn't that be, that's nice. That's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Uh, what a concept. What a concept. Just, and just he, he's proud a of it. Clear vision of what you want and go for it. Yeah. Yep. And he's, he's proud of it. And so, uh, I find that very troubling. There's so many things that I find troubling. So, okay. Um, well, you're going to need a lot of keep... prayer. You're going to need a no, lot I need of prayer. It now. And... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I need it now. Lord, we ask that you would cover Heidi's campaign and your, with your grace and your, your direction and your provision. And we ask this in Jesus name. So there you go, Heidi. Thank you. And we will continue that. And we're so grateful for you coming on. 
Thank you for giving us your valuable time and all, all of the energy you brought to this. <laughs> and uh, we wish you well. We look forward to, to, uh, to popping in and checking out your podcast and checking out your website yes. and sharing that yeah. all on our, we're going to share it on the description. And, yeah. Um, yeah. As we That's grow this great. page, it will be um, there in the archive and I'm sure people will be checking it out for a long time to come. Well, stay in touch. It's been, uh, it's been a, uh, this has been a lot of fun. We'll have to, we'll have to do it again and I'll see yeah, if I can't get absolutely. bone up on the bone up on your dry sense of humor there. I'll get better <laughs> at it. Well, it, you know, you, you get used to it eventually. And then, eventually. I mean, I was actually holding back, you know, when you were talking about people lying and I was like, I lie for hours every night. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, you must. Yes. Yeah, yes. A lot of people would be confused by that. Yeah, that's what they tell me. But that I, I think what it was is I spent so much time in the car on in LA traffic by myself. I was trying to keep myself awake. And I was just like, you know, well, LA man, making myself a, laugh. That's a, that's a beast down there. It's horrible. It's horrible. It is. It is. Well, you stay, uh, keep the faith up there, Heidi. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, stay in touch and we'll see what happens. Thanks for your prayers. Sounds I good. appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. Alrighty. Take care.